So our scripture reading this morning is from the 13th chapter of the letter of Paul to the Romans and is found on page 152 in the New Testament of your pew Bible. So this is Romans 13, verses 8 through 14. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the love for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. Will you all pray with me and maybe also for me? God, may the meditations of our hearts and the words that randomly fall out of my lips bring meaning to this morning. Amen. It's a little weird for me to do a sermon facing this direction. Uh, usually I'm talking to the kids facing that direction, so I don't usually get to see all of your shining faces, and I appreciate that. Uh, I won't, I promise, make you all raise your hand and answer a bunch of questions. Uh, it might be fun, but we'll, we'll try to actually stay on time, because I think if I let Bruce start talking, God help us all, we're just going to keep going. So, one of my two kids, Atticus, who you all know from, from singing up on the stage, a couple of fun things to know about him. One, the kid loves himself some Harry Potter, and two, he's a rule follower. And when Atticus is both reading, watching, or even listening to the audiobooks in the Harry Potter series, you'll notice one interesting thing about, about him, and that is he doesn't get upset or worried or scared at all about the stuff that's supposed to be worrisome, scary, and upsetting. Voldemort, nothing. Dragons, huge, giant spiders, he really doesn't even blink at those parts of the story. The part of the story where Atticus gets up and he paces and he has to like get his energy out, that's when Harry is breaking a rule. And especially if Harry's going to get in trouble. Whew! Like, that's when Atticus starts to sweat. To the point where Olivia and I have tried to do some exposure therapy with Atticus, because this really frustrates and worries him, not just about Harry Potter, but just generally in his life. He always wants to know and do the things that are right. And so we've had to do some exposure therapy, things like when we go to the zoo, we sometimes go in the wrong door for exhibits. We go in the exit door instead of the entrance door. He hates this. He's getting better, but he hates this. And like a lot of things in parenting, what's great about this is that I get to see in my son myself, because he gets this from me. 
I am a rule follower, and I always have been. And I will be honest, I also feel very anxious when we go in the exit door at the zoo. <laughs> what if they see? The text that we read today from Romans is where Paul tells us about rules and rule following. And I loved Kelly's children's time about all of the amazing rules that you have to put into a preschool, because this is what happened in the Old Testament, is that the Jews just kept asking more questions about whether or not they should lick their friends, and so it got written somewhere in Leviticus that thou shalt not lick your friends. What I think is interesting is Paul comes to this and he says, all of that, all of these rules that we have put together, they all really come down to just one single thing. Love. Love your neighbor as yourself. And interestingly, this is one of the few texts that I know of where Paul and Jesus are almost word for word in terms of how they're answering specific questions. Because in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is asked by the Pharisees about what's the greatest commandment. And then Jesus, like any good politician, doesn't answer that question, but answers the question he wanted to have been asked. Where he doesn't talk about the actual Ten Commandments. He says, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Paul and Jesus, they take the entirety of the books of law and they boil them down to one simple but challenging concept, love. Somewhere around 2,000 years later, the Beatles came up with the exact same concept. All you need is love. As I mentioned, I'm a rule follower, and as a teenager, this stressed me out. Because I needed to know when I was doing the right thing and when I was doing the wrong thing. And I took this really seriously. Like, I would study, I read a bunch of the Bible about this, I would pray about it, I'd ask smart people about it. And somehow, in all of that, I just kept missing these verses where all it really boils down to is just loving each other. That's it. That's the, that's the entirety of it. But instead, I wanted to know specifics. I wanted to know what was going to make me righteous. And this wasn't harmless. And, and this took me a long time to realize that this wasn't harmless. This desire of my own to be righteous. Because what it did was it made me really obvious to those around me when I thought they were in the wrong and I was in the right. And I'm very confident that that made a lot of my friends and acquaintances have to hide a little bit of who they were when they were around me because they knew that my judgment hat was right there on. It wasn't until I was in my mid-20s and I started attending a church in Chicago called Holy Covenant United Methodist Church. And when I was there, one of the things that, you know, made it, it was a scale dropping from the eyes moment, much like our friend Paul, was one of the holiest men I've ever met and one of the best preachers I've ever experienced, Trey Hall, was the pastor at that church. Trey is a gay married man and a pastor in the Methodist church. 
That did not fit my mental mold as a mid-twenty-some that had grown up in a fairly conservative Christian church. Suddenly this messiness was right there in front of my face that I couldn't take these couple of verses out of the Bible out of context and assume that made it so that I knew who was right and who was wrong. Now Jonathan, uh, your regularly scheduled preacher, Jonathan, if you've noticed, has a, has a tendency in his sermons to tell you a couple of words and then define them for you, uh, which I always enjoy. And so I'm going to keep up the tradition. I'm going to define a word for you. And that is that in classic Greek, there was multiple words that all kind of we lumped together when we used the word love in the English language. There was love between lovers. There was love between family members. And then there was agape. So agape is the word that is used here by Paul as well as in the uh, Gospels said by Jesus. And agape is not like those other loves where it's love between lovers or love in a family. Agape is defined as a love that is unconditional and sacrificial. It's the kind of love that's felt by a person willing to do anything for someone else, including sacrificing themselves, and here's the hard part, without expecting anything in return. That is the word that Jesus and Paul use when they talk about loving your neighbor. That, my friends, sounds simple, but I think is really, really challenging. But I do think there's good examples of it, where you can look out into the world and realize, like, oh, this happens, this happens a lot, this kind of agape love. And one example I give you actually comes from my other son, Elliot's classroom. So, brand new class, he's in third grade, and he has a classmate who has just moved to the United States from Colombia, doesn't speak a lick of English. And this poor kid, this poor little eight-year-old, is thrown into this classroom to try to learn all the things that one learns in third grade without knowing the language that everyone around him is speaking. And here's what's amazing. So I, I listened to Elliot tell me about this. And the reaction of all of his classmates, pardon me, not used to this thing, I usually use that one. The reaction of all of his classmates is this deep desire to make this kid feel good and fit in, to the point where they're all trying to learn some easy Spanish words to help this kid along. Right, this entire classroom of eight-year-olds is figuring out how to love on this one kid who doesn't know the language that they speak in. That, to me, is agape, right? Like, this is an unconditional, sacrificial type of love that you can see in the world around you today. Jesus also, you know, as he does, he taught us this also in parables. He taught us in stories. And so one of the parables that I think shows us this version of agape love and the, the fact that rule following will sometimes lead you the wrong directions, is the Good Samaritan. So if you don't know the story of the Good Samaritan, the idea is this man is walking down the road, he's assaulted and robbed, and left on the side of the road, bleeding, injured, and needing, desperately needing of assistance. Multiple people see this person and walk on by. And I imagine that if I were to actually pretend that this story really happened, what those people were thinking of because these were the holy people, these were Pharisees, these were the men of law that walked on by this injured individual. 
And what I believe that they would have thought to themselves is, you know, that guy needs help, but, but, today is, today is Sabbath, and I've already done this many steps, and I can only do this many more, and I need to get home still, and if I do more than that many steps, I am unholy, so I can't go help that guy. Or, man, I'm wearing my, like, holy robes, and I've got to go to temple, because if I don't go to temple, I'm not being holy. So he's going to have to be someone else's responsibility. They were following the law. They were doing the thing they were supposed to do. Then the Samaritan, the namesake of the story, Samaritans back in Jesus' time were considered unclean people. They weren't holy people. They were like a, a whole different ethnic group that weren't considered to be part of the overall Jewish culture. And so this Samaritan, this unholy guy, he sees someone on the side of the road, and his reaction is agape. It is unconditional, sacrificial love. He stops. He takes the time out of his day. He binds the man's wounds. He takes him to an inn, and he tells the innkeeper, here's all of my money. Do whatever you need to do to make this man well. No expectation of return. No expectation of something coming back to him. That is that idea of sacrificial love that we are called to. Another good example of this in modern times, in my opinion, of this difference between rules and love. A couple of weeks ago, at one of our adult education classes, uh, we had John, who is one of the founders of the Share Love, Share Food Pantry. And John talked to us about the origin story of this pantry that they have formed. And this was spun out of a, a, a Lutheran church in Brookfield. And when they were first putting together the, the idea of doing a food pantry, they first looked at who they could partner with. You know, why start from scratch when there's folks that are already doing the work? Maybe we can just partner. And there was another church that was already doing this, and so they started to look into partnering with the other church. And they came to this conclusion, the Share Food, Share Love folks, they came to the conclusion that they're going to have to start their own. And the reason was this. The other church had restrictions on who could and couldn't get food at their pantry. And whether those restrictions were right is not really up for debate today. But what the folks, John and team, looked at in that was, no, our mission is to share this food and to share this love. There should be no rules about that. There should be no restriction as to who we are going to feed. So a few years later, they are now serving over 300 families every week in these communities around us. That, to me, is choosing love over choosing the rules and what makes things right and wrong. Friends, living in gray is hard, especially for rule followers like me. We as a people are hardwired to want to know and measure how good or bad the things are around us. I mean, the Hebrews... They were terrible about this. I said, like, they basically built this entire book of law because they needed to know every single answer to every single question of what was right and what was wrong to the point where by the time Jesus comes along, the religion was more about the law than it was God himself. And so Jesus comes along and he heals people on the Sabbath day and the people call him a sinner 
because he's doing work on the Sabbath day. And I think that if we are honest about our overall Christian church today, when you look around at it, you see the same problem. We are constantly defining ourselves and our churches by who we are and who we aren't, and what is right and what is wrong. And when you talk to folks that have, you know, my generation that have left the church and not come back, a lot of them, that's why. Because they look at the church and they say, it's not about love. It's about telling you what you're not supposed to do and who you're not supposed to be. So I think this comes down to what Jesus then tells us in John. He says, they'll know you're my disciples by your love. That's it. One of my favorite uh, musicians is John Baptiste, and he's got a quote that he says all the time, so I'm going to leave you with this one. He says, I love you even if I don't know you. And so that's my challenge to all of us today. Love them. Love them if you know them, and love them if you don't. Because Paul, Jesus, the Johns, both Lennon and Baptiste, that's what they tell us is required of us. Amen? Amen. Will you please stand with me and speak together the words of the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth.